The Big Wake Up by Mark Coggins is what you hope every private eye novel will be, says Edgar Award-winning author Megan Abbott. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 3. Necrophobia The last time I attended a vigil or a wake was when my great-aunt died when I was five. They put her coffin on a big table in the darkened living room of her gingerbread bungalow, lit candles, turned the mirrors to the wall, and lifted me over the satin-quilted maw of the box and made me kiss her goodbye. Afterwards, I locked myself in the bathroom and used a bar of Baraxo I found under the sink to eradicate the pink powdery taste of her. I quit scrubbing only after my lips were skinned and bloodied and have suffered from irrational fear of embalmed bodies ever since. The vigil for Araceli Riviero wasn't held in a gingerbread bungalow or even a church, but in the visitation room of Pietro Palermo and Company, funeral directors. I had gone back to my apartment to change into the only black suit I owned, and by the time I pulled open the heavy, iron-bound door to the room, it was approaching 8 p.m. The casket was at the front in a niche lit by a pair of Art Deco torchier lamps and two candles in tall brass holders. A life-size crucifix yawned out from the wall above an oak and green velvet kneeler situated in front. Clumps of people sat on pews with heads bowed or stood together holding whispered conversations. There wasn't a priest, nor was there anyone I could pick out as family. But Caesar, I spotted immediately. He was bent over the kneeler, his fingers moving ponderously through the beads of a rosary, his slicked-back hair glistening under the light. An obvious funeral parlor employee stood by the door near a podium with a sign-in book. As I came up, He handed me a memorial card with a picture of Jesus blessing a young woman. The family appreciates your attendance. Would you sign the mourner's register, please? I looked down at the book. There were spaces for name, address, and an unlabeled column that people had used to write things like, God bless Araceli, and there is hope in Christ's resurrection and glory. I felt like a fraud, an intruder, and wished for the hundredth time that I hadn't let Caesar guilt me into going. I don't know, I started. The funeral guy arranged his face into a look of professional concern and held out a silver fountain pen. I sighed and took the fancy writing implement from his hand, scratching out my name and address in what I hoped would be an illegible jumble. I left the final column blank. Pietro Palermo and company's man leaned over the book to inspect what I'd written, and frowning slightly, relieved me of the pen. Thank you, sir. If you're not familiar with the custom, may I suggest that you take a seat in the pews until you have the opportunity to go up to the departed? I nodded like I appreciated the advice, and took a seat in the pew closest to the exit, resolving to slip out the door as soon as he was distracted. To avoid catching anyone's eye in the meantime, I made a close inspection of the card he had given me. The side without Jesus had Araceli's full name and birthday of December 2nd, 
23 years ago, her heavenly birth date, that is the day she was killed, was printed below it. At the bottom came a short prayer titled Eternal Rest that I recognized from my Catholic upbringing. It was given in three languages, Latin, Spanish, and English. I heard the door open again, and I turned back to watch the funeral parlor employee give his spiel to a pair of young women who had to be classmates of Araceli at UCSF. The first one had barely taken hold of the pen before her lips started trembling, and she sobbed out loud. As her companion reached over to hug her, I felt a tap on my arm. I'm glad that you came, senor. Caesar stood in the aisle beside me wearing a black suit that probably cost twice as much as mine, but somehow didn't manage to make him any more dressy than his smart garage uniform. That makes one of us, I said. He shook his head. No, the family and Araceli will appreciate it too. The family, maybe, and maybe for the wrong reasons. But you're making an assumption about dead people that I can't share. Please, now is not the time to debate the existence of the afterlife. You must do the expected thing, if only to comfort the family. Go up and say goodbye to her. And on the off chance you are wrong about God, pray for her soul. I don't even see anyone from... Please. His hand found its way around my wrist and tugged. I gave in to the inevitable. I stood like a zombie and tottered down the aisle towards the niche. The memory of my great aunt sent my heartbeat past red line, and my vision darkened and narrowed. My extremities tingled. Then I caught sight of Araceli over the edge of the polished mahogany, and all anxiety seemed to lift. It's going too far to say that she looked angelic, but for the first time I appreciated why someone would ever leave a casket open. She lay in ivory satin, in an ivory satin dress, with a silver-beaded rosary clasped in her hands. Her apricot blonde hair was arranged carefully on the pillow, and her expression was serene and composed. She wore modest silver earrings and a plain silver bracelet. Her skin was a vibrant rose-petal pink, and there was no trace of wounds, bullets, or madmen who hijacked cable cars. But neither was there much of the flirtatious girl from the laundromat. She'd been transformed into a sort of virginal Madonna. I stood over her, fingering the fabric softener she'd given me in my pocket. I'd brought it on a whim with the idea that I might return it to her, but I realized now it would be wildly inappropriate. After an awkward interlude, I sank to my knees, put my elbows on the rail, and bowed my head, but I was just marking time to make it look right. Whatever small connection I had with her seemed to be lost. I had been her avenger, but I didn't really know her, and I was hardly the one to make a case for her soul if she, or any of us, had one. My eyes were closed, but through the sound of rustling fabric and little fidgeting movements, I became aware of someone standing off to the left. I stayed on the kneeler for another long minute, then stood and stepped back, and because I figured it had to be family, made a clumsy attempt at crossing myself. Mr. Riordan? Came the expected request. It was family, all right, but not the sort I expected. A taller, lither version of Araceli stood waiting. More ballerina than underwear model, but with the same hair, green eyes, and cheekbones. She wore a simple black dress and plain silver jewelry that seemed to match Araceli's. I'm August Reardon, 
I agreed in a too loud voice. Melina Rivero. Araceli was my sister. I took her extended hand and managed to get something across about how sorry I was. Then, feeling the need to account for my presence, I blurted, I hope you don't mind my attending. My friend Caesar is a member of your church, and since I was, since I was involved, he encouraged me to pay my respects. Did you know Araceli, Mr. Riordan? I didn't. We had just met that day at the laundromat. That is what the newspaper said. But we wondered if it could be true. We are very grateful for what you did. I looked down at my feet, then forced myself to meet her gaze again. I'm afraid what I did was more of a postscript. It doesn't change. I gestured over to the niche. No, it does not change that. Her eyes strayed to the coffin and she seemed to go away for a moment. Then she twitched her head sharply and brought her arms up to hug herself. My father and brother are in the director's office. When they heard you were here, they asked that I bring you back to meet them. They want to thank you, and they have a question. A question? I am sorry. English is a second language. A better way to express it is they have a job. A job they wish to offer you. You have been listening to The Big Wake Up a book Publishers Weekly described as outstanding in a starred review. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com.